You're listening to episode 66 with Radhika Fox, CEO of U.S. Water Alliance. This episode is brought to you by Moonshot Missions. Hi, this is Tyler Not Gregson, poet, author, and artist. This is the podcast that is demonstrating the value of art and culture and communicating the value of water. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley. Hey, water nerds, what's your moonshot? George Hawkins, former chief executive of DC Water, is president and founder of Moonshot Missions. Moonshot is a nonprofit organization seeking to disrupt the current approach to delivering improvements to water systems. Led by seasoned and skilled experts, Moonshot Missions designs replicable models that help utilities overcome the challenges they face in order to move forward. Moonshot can help you assess your system, select solutions from a pre-vetted menu of projects, plus develop innovative financing approaches. You are not in this alone. Moonshot Missions will help you collaborate with other leaders to work together, develop tailored mission plans, and share lessons learned. Together, you can build water systems that work more efficiently and effectively to protect and provide for the residents you serve while also saving your customers money. If you'd like to learn more or even share your own experience that might be helpful for a struggling utility to adopt and start on a positive path, visit moonshotmissions.org or email george at moonshotmissions.org. We need new tools uh, in order to relate to communities differently. We need new ways of envisioning and planning and designing our water systems. And artisans and cultural practitioners really bring a different lens to the technical expertise, right, that we have in the water sector. Are you headed to the One Water Summit September 18th through the 20th, 2019 in Austin? If it's not 2019 and you're wondering how you're going to time travel backwards, uh, no worries. Just go to the U.S. Water Alliance's website and find out where the One Water Summit for this year will be and make sure that you get in. In 2019, we're excited and honored to partner with the Water Research Foundation to facilitate one of the institutes on the 18th related to communicating chemicals of emerging concern. But the focus of our chat with Radhika today was all about one of our favorite topics, art and culture. The U.S. Water Alliance has an initiative dedicated to this very idea, and they integrate this into their annual One Water Summits as well. We're firm believers that infusing water into the art and culture of our communities can begin a conversation about water that facts and figures alone cannot. As Radhika points out for us, this approach creates new tools to engage with our communities and a new lens for our technical experts to use when approaching innovative solutions for the water industry. Radhika Fox is the Chief Executive Officer of the U.S. Water Alliance, which is a national nonprofit organization advancing policies and programs that build a sustainable water future for all. Radhika is a widely recognized thought leader on complex water issues from equity in water to investing in our nation's water infrastructure. With more than 20 years of experience in developing policies, programs, and issue-based advocacy program campaigns, Radhika is a sought-after public speaker and has been interviewed by local, regional, and national media outlets on a wide range of water issues. Previously, Radhika directed the Policy and Government Affairs Agenda for the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission, which is responsible for providing 24-7 water, wastewater, and municipal power services to 2.6 million Bay Area residents. She also served as Federal Policy Director at PolicyLink, where she coordinated the organization's policy agenda on a wide range of issues, including infrastructure investment, transportation, sustainable communities, economic inclusion, and workforce development. This was certainly a fangirl moment for us, and we were so excited to speak with Radhika. So without further ado, let's get to the show. 
We are incredibly excited to be here with Radhika Fox with the U.S. Water Alliance. Thank you yes, so much for taking you. the time out of your crazy busy schedule to chat with us for a minute. We appreciate it. Oh, so excited to join you. I am a, a regular listener to your podcast, so it's great to be able to join you. Awesome. Oh, wow. Fangirl moment. We're, that's, that's a big deal. We're excited to hear that. So um, we, a few weeks ago, recently attended Imagine H2O's Innovation Summit in San Francisco. And our friend Bree at WEF tweeted this question out to Water Nerd Nation asking, did you choose water or did water choose you? And that's kind of similar to a question that we ask everyone right out the gate because we're so fascinated about hearing all the different ways people find themselves in the water sector. So obviously your time at San Francisco Public Utilities played a role in shaping you into the water nerd you are today. But is there more to your story? Did you choose water or did water choose you? I think I accidentally fell into water like a big lake. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think my, you know, my water story really begins um, in India. So I spent the first four years of my life, um, my grandmother raised me. And so I lived with her in the small rural village that she grew up in her whole life. And so we had, um, you know, wells for drinking water. We had the trains for, for toilets. Uh, when the monsoon season came, um, the dirt roads got flooded, and so we were this, you know, t oasis until the sun came, uh, and and were able to get out again. So, really, my first relationship with water was living in India and then coming here to America, where um, just the infrastructure that we have that we don't think twice about. We turn on the tap, clean water comes out, we flush the toilet, you know, our poop goes away. It it, it just is so much of of um, this country and, and, and how it grew up. And so um, I, the way I got into water is that for most of my career, I really worked at the intersection of infrastructure and equity, but with a focus on things like housing and transportation, and really believe that so many of these infrastructure systems, including water, have um, this incredible opportunity to shape opportunity for both people and for neighborhoods. And so so that's how I fell into water, that if you really care about the environment, if you care about jobs, if you care about community vitality, um, you can achieve all of those outcomes through water. Um, but, you know, I, it's a great question. I love this question of did you find water or did water find you? Because I think one of the challenges that we face is that um, people don't really think about the water sector as an incredible place to work and that yes. you can be an equity leader, you can be an environmentalist. And so, you know, I love the work that you all are doing because it's really also about uh, rebranding um, the water sector yes. as mm -hmm. hot and fun and relevant. Yes. And, um, and that's what we need to do more of so that more people choose water and don't just fall into it. Yeah. Ah, yes. yes. I love it. Like that. We've been talking workforce a lot. In fact, that was the whole theme of the last innovation summit we went to. And so it's been really interesting to hear all of the conversations that are happening related to that in the water world. And yes, absolutely. We need to be rebranding ourselves. This is the best industry to work for. Uh, yeah. Not biased at all, of course. <laughs> Well, there are a million different things that we could talk to you about, um, but the topic that really caught Stephanie and in, in my attention and inspired us to reach out to you was 
um, the, the arts and culture initiative. Um, this type of collaboration is near and dear to our hearts. And we were so excited to see an organization taking the lead um, in working to make those things happen. Um, so can you tell us more about this initiative and the partnership that you guys had um, with ArtPlace? Yeah, happy to. Um, so I was really exposed to the ways in which arts and culture and water can intersect. When I worked at the utility at the San Francisco uh, Public Utilities Commission, um, mm. San Francisco, like a number of other cities around the country, have a, a citywide policy that requires you know, 2% of um, above ground infrastructure investment go towards arts. And so like Seattle has something similar. Uh, I think New York, Chicago maybe. But anyway, um, when I was at the SPUC, we really saw that a lot of those resources that were for arts that were being generated through the water projects were really going to things that weren't at all connected to the um, communities that were served or impacted yeah. by the SFPUC operations. And so, you know, under the leadership of, of a lot of folks at, at, at in San Francisco, um, the, the, those dollars were really reprogrammed to be much more invested in the communities where the wastewater treatment plant was or construction was happening, that sort of thing. Um, and then when I came to the U.S. Water Alliance, I just, you know, observed that so many of our members were actually naturally, you know, sort of finding these partnerships and collaborations um, with artists. And so that was really the inspiration for, for the work. Um, Art Place America is just a great partner because they really have deep expertise around mm -hmm. arts and cultural practitioners and what they're doing in the community development space. We have the water relationships. So... So that was the genesis for the project. Um, mm. And, you know, really what, you know, why I am so excited about that work is that we need new tools uh, in order to relate to communities differently. We need new ways of envisioning and planning and designing our water systems for now and the future. Um, and artists and, and cultural practitioners really bring a different lens, um, an additive lens, um, to the technical expertise, right, that we have in the water sector. And so um, we've, and, and I have to say, we've been just totally shocked by how excited people have been by that work and yeah. how much it's sort of um, galvanizing some new partnerships. I was so excited to see that you know, a national organization like you guys were, were taking that approach. And um, on your website, you guys have this great report that's, I mean, I'm a water nerd, so I've read it, but it's called uh, Advancing One Water Through Arts and Culture. And it was um, really interesting to read. And there were a lot of quotes built into it, which I loved. And one of my favorite quotes in that document was from a gentleman who's from the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies. And the quote said that, the arts are particularly great at connecting with the deeper parts of ourselves and one of the most effective ways of engaging us emotionally. So that really speaks strongly to the point that you made that we need to be finding new tools to use to get the community more engaged with water and water issues and that we have to start talking about water differently with the community. And I think that statement is makes it a clear explanation as to why that is because Facts and figures alone are not going to make people value water. We need to tell water story different and use a different language, a better language. And um, I think one of those can be through the language of the arts. So 
Um, I don't know if you remember any of the particular case studies that were in there. The one that really resonated with us the most was this water bar idea that they had out in Minnesota because we had kind of a simpler scaled down version Very of that. Very scaled down version. But <laughs> in the last city that amazing. we worked for. Yes. It really, you know, when you're at, when you go to a bar, you know, people just gather around it and they're just communicating. They're just talking. They're just conversing all just hanging night. Hanging out. Hanging out. And so we had this idea as well. It was so cool to see other people are doing the same thing. We just had um, this idea of we're going to, let's build a bar around. We had a water a hydration station, a trailer. Let's build a bar around it. Let's get people to hang out there longer than just filling up your water bottle and walking away. And so we would go to these events and have this bar there and even in, in front of our own office and people were just standing there forever to the point where like, got to go home. Yeah. Like stay here. Gotta get out of here guys. You know, it's long enough, but it was so cool. And we were so excited to see that other cities, other places are doing that. So that was definitely our favorite, but I didn't know if there were any favorite case studies that you had from that report that really stuck out to you. Well, I feel like that question is like asking me, which of your kids do you like the best? Like that's like a totally unfair question. So I love all of the examples in that report. No, but um, so the water bar and Shanae Matheson, the artist who envisioned that, they're doing incredible work. Um, And actually they are really thinking about how to create a national resource around water bar that would help other um, communities, utilities, others utilize that model. And so I think that's coming out soon. But, you know, I loved, um, I I mean, I loved the diversity of the examples that we were able to identify um, around the country. Um, I mean, I love the work of Eve Mosier, uh, the artist who created the high water line. Um, And, you know, the complexity of trying to communicate something like sea level rise to people, right? You know, uh, sea level is going to rise six feet in the next 20 years. Like, what does that even mean? It's really hard to understand that. And so what Eve did is um, the project first started in New York where she walked 70 miles of the coastline uh, in in New York. um, And it created a whole different conversation by drawing this blue chalk of where the sea was going to rise to. Because people are like, what is this woman doing? Um, yeah. But it sparks conversations about the, this library that you go to every day or your grocery store will be underwater um, because of the changing climate and what's at sort of stake. Um, so I love that example. I love the work of Dan Borelli, who um, his project called Illuminating Figures um, really helped um, r- remediate a, a huge environmental injustice in Massachusetts. Mm. and and how that um, both led to policy change, but also led to healing by the community that had been exposed to chemicals. Um, so many, so many examples. Um, and I just have to say, as one water nerd to another, the fact that you're quoting the Arts and Culture Report, like, I'm officially your biggest fan girl, okay? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, when, when we stumbled across this thing, I mean, we both lost our minds, like, Fan, I mean, we freaked out. We were in a coffee shop. We were like, whoa, like, look at this. And people around us are like, what are you talking about? We're like, you guys have to come see this. They're like, we don't know you. So this is like (laughs) a quick side story. But so she has a pretty far commute. So I get to the office earlier than she does. I also wake up before I am. Like, that's when my day starts. And so by the time 
I get here and she gets here. Like I've had a good like four or five hours to just read and get fired up. And so sometimes I feel like when she rolls in here that I'm, I'm like on Jason Momoa mode where I'm just like, <laughs> like ready to do all these things. And after reading that report, that was definitely one of those. Cause there's so many amazing cases. Like you want to do them all. Yes. You want to implement yeah. them all. And so it was, yeah, like for anyone listening who has not checked that out, you got to go to their website and check out this. It's so inspiring. There's so many great quotes in there and you're going to want to, yeah. How can I do this in my community? I mean, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, this grand thing. Just start with getting some art in your, in your events that you're doing. Like, oh man, it changes everything. It's yeah. Fun. I love it. We oh, also, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you also incorporated um, arts and culture into your annual One Water Summit. This year, you guys are coming to Austin. Hello. <laughs> um, September 18th and through the 20th, which we're pumped about. Um, can you tell us how you incorporated art into the last summit? Yes. Um, so last year, the One Water Summit was in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And um, we utilized the summit as an opportunity to kind of release the National Blueprint Report. Um, and then, you know, our one of the big kind of takeaways from doing that research was really a recognition that um, water leaders have so much to gain from partnering with artists and cultural practitioners, and that artists and cultural practitioners really deeply care about the environment and water, but don't necessarily always know the best entrance an entree point. Um, and so what we wanted to do with the One Water Summit um, is create some intentional space where, where those folks could come together. And it really is the heart of the One Water Summit. Like what we are trying to do with the summit is bring everybody and anybody that who, who has a stake in our water future together to find common ground solutions. Um, and so we were really proud to partner with Art Place America mm. um, to convene a national artist delegation. So we had artists and cultural practitioners from different um, parts of the country who came together. Um, and then we had an arts and cultural institute that was a skills building session so that the water folks could get exposed to the framework and the tools and strategies that we've been talking about. Um, but then we, what we also said is, you know, so often at conferences you might have a singer or a band or a piece of art somewhere, mm -hmm. but actually these artists and cultural practitioners are also problem solvers in the water space. And so, for example, we had um, uh, we had someone speak on the reuse and resource recovery session. We had an artist, Emmanuel Pratt from Chicago, who's been doing some work around green infrastructure um, speak. And so we really tried to integrate the conversations. Um, and I think it went really well. So what, since we're on the topic of the One Water Summit, what are you most looking forward to about that event this year? Well, um, to me, the One Water Summit is, is the most energizing three days of my year. Um, mm. You know, it's a lot of work. We're a small organization, right? And, um, you know, it's four days. Uh, we had Last year, we had 900 people, wow. 228 cities, mm. uh, 38 states represented. And then one of the things that we're really committed to um, around our summit is that it's not just another water conference, but that it's really um, a time and moment where folks come together and just sort of set a, the agenda and priorities for the year. And one of the ways that we do that is that we have one water delegation. So um, 
you know, different communities uh, organize these regional delegations and they come together, they learn together, they take stuff back home. Um, and so it really is an exciting way for people to set the agenda for, for the future. And so the thing that I'm excited about is, you know, to me, the summit is a place where you've got top utility leaders, but you also have community-based organizations. You've got the philanthropic community. You've got researchers. You've got um, artists, right? You know, it's everybody comes together. And so I just, the uh, solutions that get generated by that cross-sector conversation are incredible. Um, one of my favorite things is we always close the summit with commitments to action um, from the delegation yeah. on the main plenary stage. Um, and so last year, 30 delegations made a commitment to action and they'll be reporting out on them. Um, new delegations will make new commitments. So, um, so it's really the being in fellowship with just such an amazing group of water nerds <laughs> from all yeah. around the country. Um, so we'll be descending on Texas. Um, really looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, I love the diversity of the people that uh, you just listed that are coming to the summit or involved in that, but also just in the U.S. Water Alliance in general. I feel like that really creates this environment of divergent thinking, which is where those creative, innovative ideas are going to come out of because we as water nerds in the water sector, we're not going to solve the challenges that we're facing in a silo, just us talking to each other. It's really going to take getting the whole community's buy-in and ideas and support. And so that's, I, I think that's one of like my favorite things about the Alliance is just how it's, it's one water in, in so many ways, not just in uh, water, wastewater, stormwater, reuse water, all of those things of water, but just water from a community perspective. So I've always, I've always really liked that about uh, your organization. Um, and obviously, a huge fan of the work you guys do around the value of water. Uh, but the value of water means something a little different to everyone, <laughs> what, you know, especially through whatever your lens your lens is that you're looking at it through. So what does it mean to you? What does the value of water mean to you? Um, so for me, the value of water is that it can be, and it is a force multiplier for all of the other things that we want for ourselves, for our children, for our communities, right? So that if we're stewarding water in a in a holistic way, in an equitable way, you know, we can drive economic growth in our community. We can um, protect uh, this essential resource, you know, from an environmental perspective. Um, and we can solve really intractable, tough issues around equity and opportunity in this country, right? Because of, of the, the economic benefit of investing in water. So for me, the value of water is that it can help this nation achieve all the other things that we care about. Um, so that's what, what it means to me. Yeah. <laughs> we love got some that. fist pump for that yeah, one. That was, that was amazing. Double, double fist pump. where the revolution's going to begin in yep. the water industry. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to just make a comment and go a little rogue, but you know, one of my favorite things is organizations like yours and, and your thought process and, and many others um, nowadays, it's so fun, you know, to see us getting out of our uh, normal ways of doing things. Um, 
and just like imagine H2O, they have the gala, the gala that they, you know, in, they make sure is at every, you know, imagine H2O event. Um, and in your event, making sure art and culture and stuff is very heavily involved in, in this one water summit. And that's what it's, I love that. Like, let's bring like so much deeper connection there. It's so fun. Let's make these water conferences fun. Fun. At our catalyst event, we're moving along the river. We're not sitting in a ballroom all day long. Like no offense to anyone who does that. That's totally cool. (laughs) But it's so fun to just do something a little bit different at your, at your, when you have 900 people or 30,000 people like WefTech, you get a chance to really show off how cool water is. Mm-hmm. For sure. Absolutely. I love being outside the box and, and doing those fun things. Well, um, we are about to wrap it up with three of our fave questions that we like to ask all of our guests so we can learn a little bit more from them and get some insight into um, what helps them on their day-to-day. So, Yeah. So I want to know what your favorite book is right now that you can recommend to us. So I am a big fan of Brene Brown, who I understand is in Texas. So I have, I totally love self-help books, but, um, and so I've read all of her stuff, but she has a book on leadership that's called Dare to Lead and the Power of Vulnerability um, and the, it, as, as essential to courageous leadership. So I, um, that's what I'm reading right now that, I'm, that inspires me. Perfect. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of her. Yeah. What about um, something that you do every day that drives your productivity? Well, I have to say I have a problem with consistency. <laughs> and, <laughs> Thank you. But, Finally, but, someone else does too. <laughs> so, but the things that I try to do regularly that drive my productivity are one, when I get up in the morning to just take a minute to say like, what am I grateful for? Um mm-hmm. And when I go to bed at night, try to say, what's one thing that happened today that I'm grateful for? Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing, uh, and I don't get on the bike every day, but I recently got a Peloton bike. Oh, yeah. um, that, so you can do sort of spin classes at home. And that has been amazing. So um, that, those are two things. Perfect. I love it. Uh, so our last question, one of our favorite questions that we ask every single person, I love all the answers that we get, but um, so a lot of times in our line of work, when we were working with the city, engaging with the public, you know, sometimes we would hear people say, well, what difference does it make if I make a change? I'm just one person. Uh, it's not going to make a difference. And obviously, Ariane and I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Uh, we believe that change can be contagious and one person making a positive change can inspire others to do the same and you never know could ultimately change the world. So what's that one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could ultimately change the world? I think for me, it is about finding the we in the work. Um, And by that, I mean that in water, we have so much us versus them thinking. Um, we have what feels like these very binary choices, right? It's fish or farms. It's cities or rural. Um, it's the environment or human consumptive use of water. And, um, and so for us to truly transform as a sector, we have to find the we um, in that. Mm. Wow. I love that. I love that. <laughs> and water has a W and an E in it. So now I'm going to like... Just got to... Bring them in. Yeah. And, and I will in. say that that is a, that is a sneak peek because yes. um, 
that is my going to be my core message at the One Water Summit uh, in Austin, September 18th to the 20th. Let's find the we together. Oh my gosh, I love that. Well, we appreciate you taking the time yes, to have you. a chat with us today. Um, hope that it's one of many. We can do this again. Uh, we would love to, to talk more, especially um, uh, to talk more about this idea of finding the we. Like, I just, I love that. That's, yes. Let's go down that path. Yeah, we need to go down that path, definitely, in like a dedicated episode to that. So thank you so much for taking the time. And um, we look forward to chatting again in the future. Thank you for having me. It's a great show. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Never miss out on future episodes by signing up for the Water Nerd newsletter. Found at the h2duo.com forward slash newsletter. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore h2duo. We share all of our new episodes there as well as in the newsletter. So whether we come across your feed or in your inbox, be sure to share episodes with your friends, family, colleagues, fellow water nerds. Help us spread the word. We hope you learned something new today, got a little inspired, or did something that brought you one step closer to your goal. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world.